Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is everything happens for a reason. Now, here's Bill Almack. We are in the second message of our series this week, Crazy Things We Believe. We're talking about things that that we believe that we're not even quite sure sometimes how we came to these beliefs, where we picked them up from. They're just kind of like, you know, you ever worked out in the garden and you get inside and then there's little pieces of plants stuck all over you, you know, they just kind of lob on somehow. And sometimes we have beliefs that are like that. We never really evaluated them. We never quite figured out why they were there, where they came from, but there they are. And so we're looking at some of these things, and these things don't seem so crazy at the time. And they don't seem so crazy when, you know, we say it or we do it. But when we stop and look at them, they look a little different. You know, sometimes when, when we say these things, they, they almost seem biblical, right? And, and that's with today's, right? And the, today's message is, Everything happens for a reason. You ever heard anybody say this? Oh yeah. I'm not going to ask you how many of you have said it yourself. But we've heard other people say it, right? And and it, it, it sounds biblical, right? I mean, if God has a plan for you, then everything that happens to you is part of God's plan. Right? I didn't get so many yeses there. You guys are catching on already. And when when people say these things, they mean well. You know, they they, they mean that, you know, God's taking care of the believer's life and everything has a reason and we'll find out what's happening and and it's all good. And there was a person that subscribed to this kind of belief and he was talking to his pastor. And he said, you know, I've read the Bible and I've studied it and I believe that God will take care of me. No matter what I do, no matter where I go. And man, if I accidentally stepped out into the crosswalk and it was still a red light and it was rush hour traffic, if my time has not come, God will protect me. The pastor looked at him and said, Brother, if you step out into the crosswalk during rush hour traffic against a red light, your time has come. See, but we think everything has a reason. I saw a Facebook meme that said, everything has a reason. And sometimes it's because you're stupid and you make bad decisions. <laughs> and and this, this, this sounds okay until you say it to somebody at a funeral. It's a true story, true story little old lady was coming out of her church service and it was an old style church had those big steps out in front of the church you know you've seen these old churches and the whole big thing of steps and somehow she slipped and fell and broke her hip goes to the hospital has the surgery but she doesn't get better she gets worse and worse and worse and in a few short days she passes away and everybody's in shock of what happened and the night before the funeral, the pastor is standing with the husband in the, uh, at the viewing. And people are coming up to the, the husband who's obviously in shock, and they're trying to find something nice to say. And it's, you know, it's difficult. But they're saying things like, 
God must have a plan for this, so we have to accept it. Another said, well, this is God's will, so we must live by it. Another said, somehow God planned this as a test for your faith. Another said, there's a silver lining in every cloud, and someday we'll figure out God's reason for this. What they're all saying is, everything happens for a reason. Now the pastor, according to his own words, went home and raged against their babbling. He was not happy. And he rewrote his sermon message for the following day. And it started out with, My God does not push little old ladies down the stairs. See, because you can't have it both ways. God can't be the author of everything good and the author of everything bad. He's either the author of the goodness and the kind and and everything that we love, or He's not. Like, it can't be both. And, and so you kind of wonder, well, how did people come to this kind of thinking? How did people come to the kind of thinking where they believe that God pushes little old ladies down the church steps and kills them? Well, most of us come to these beliefs because we, we think we use logic. And our logic goes something like this. A equals B. B equals C. Therefore, A must equal C. Right? And this seems very logical. And if somebody uses this argument, you can't say your conclusion is wrong. You have to prove that one of the prepositions is wrong. And in our case, our logic during this kind of thinking might go something like preposition one would be, God has a plan for your life. And He does. That's true. And God has made various promises to you. And He has. Uh, One of the promises is here in Psalms 91. And it says, For He will command His angels concerning you, to guard you in all your ways, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What is God going to do? Send His angels to guard you, right? So if God has a plan, and God is sending His angels to guard you, therefore, God will protect me in all that I do. And that almost sounds biblical. But it's not quite right. First, it is true that God has a plan for your life. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, when you're somebody's handiwork, what does that mean? You're His handiwork. He's created you. He's proud of you. Right? When you make something in the shop or with your sewing machine or in the kitchen or wherever it is, and you're happy with it, you're proud of it, it's your handiwork. Right? You didn't redneck it together with duct tape and bailing twine. Okay? 
It's okay to laugh. It's all right. I've got some red on my neck. It's, it's all right. If you can't fix it with duct tape, you just haven't used enough duct tape. That's... But that's not something that you're proud of. That's something you do to get by. Your handiwork is something that you're proud of. You worked hard on it. It came out good. You like it. You are God's handiwork. You were created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Which God prepared in advance for you to do. God has a plan. And when you are following Christ Jesus and you're doing the good works He has planned for you to do, you are His handiwork. Okay? There was an illustri- a study done by some folks at Stanford University. And they got 900 people who were not Christian believers but who were willing to think about God. And they studied them while these people thought about God, but were not believers. I don't know how you do that, but anyway, they thought about God. And what they found out as they studied these people is they were willing to take more risks. And not bad kind of risks, but they were willing to take more risks in their business. They finally did that expansion that they wanted to do. Or they finally, you know, moved their house and got a different house that they've been wanting to do. They took these kind of risks that before they were afraid to do. Because they were thinking about God. And somehow when they thought about God, that made them think that God would take care of them. Now mind you, they don't even believe in God. We're just thinking about God. It's a very interesting study because it's true. God says that He will take care of us. And when we believe in God, He'll be there for us. You ever heard somebody say, you know, what would you do if you couldn't fail? Right? Some people say, I'd quit work and I'd go start my own business. But I'm scared to because it might fail. Right? What would you do if you couldn't fail? And God says, listen, when you believe in me, I've got your back. We'll take care of it. And when we're working together to do the good works I've prepared for you to do, I'll take care of you. It's not that I can do anything I want to do. It's like kids on Christmas morning. And you come downstairs, and there's the tree, and underneath the tree there's all these beautiful presents. Right? And how do the kids react on Christmas morning? Are they just like, oh man, we've got to open up all these stupid presents? No! Right? They're excited. They're excited. Because they know that there is goodness in those presents. They don't know what it is. You can't see it because they're all wrapped. But they know that there's good stuff in there because they have faith in the gift givers. The same thing is true with us. When we look at what God has done for us, 
The Bible says that we live by faith, not by sight. We can't see what's in the presence yet, but we have faith in the gift giver. When we live as those who believe that God has a plan for our lives, when we believe that God has the power to put that into effect, when we step out in faith and we do things that people say, that just don't make any sense at all, God will deliver. Another way to say that is, an attitude of faith will succeed even in the face of facts. Because people will be quick to tell you all the reasons why you can't do it. And there's great people in Scripture, and this, this is just repeated over and over and over and over again. But we're going to talk real quickly about three of them. Moses comes down to stand against the might of Egypt. And Egypt was mighty. They were the world power. They had the best army. They had the best armor. They had the best horses and chariots. They had the best trained soldiers. What did Moses have in his hand? A shepherd's staff. That shouldn't have worked. But it did. When little David, the young boy, goes up against Goliath who was a well-trained warrior, who had armor, who had somebody else to carry his shield, who had a sword, who had a helmet, and David has a piece of leather with a stone in the middle of it. That shouldn't have worked. But it did. When Gideon is standing on a hillside on a dark night with 300 men and all they have is trumpets and torches and they are about to attack the largest army ever assembled in the history of the world up to that point. It shouldn't have worked. But it did. Why did these things work? Because these God-believing people had faith that God was stronger than the enemy. They had an attitude of faith that went against the facts of the moment. They believed that God had a plan, and they believed that God had the power to execute the plan. Look at what Romans says, chapter 8. It says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Now, if you spent any time at church at all, you have heard this text before, right? And a lot of people quote this and say, this is why I believe that, you know, everything happens for a reason. Because that's kind of what it sounds like, right? 
Except let's look at it real close. Is this verse saying that all things are good? It doesn't say that. It says we know that in all things God works for good. It doesn't say all things are good. Does it say that God caused all things to happen? It doesn't say that either. What it's saying is that in all things that happen, whether they are good or whether they are bad, He can use those things in His plan. Okay? Moses is standing there with a bunch of slaves. Is that good? No. Gideon's in an occupied land. Is that good? No. The Israelites are in a standoff with the Philistines. Is that good? No. Everything that happens is not good. And everything that happens in the world doesn't have a reason. Unless you're willing to say the reason is sometimes we're stupid and we make bad decisions. Remember the story of Cain and Abel. First two human beings born on the planet. Right? And they're offering their sacrifices to God. And Abel follows God's directions and his sacrifice is accepted. Cain does not follow God's directions. His sacrifice is not accepted. And Cain gets mad and kills Abel. Does God make Cain kill Abel? No. No. See... Sometimes things happen because there's evil in the world. And the things don't have a reason. And sometimes we want things to have a reason. Why did that young parent die? Why did this happen? Why did so-and-so get sick? And we want reason. But there isn't always a reason for everything. Remember when Moses brings the Israelites right to the promised land and he sends in 12 spies to check out the land and they come back and two of them are God-fearing men who said, man, that's great land and with God's help we can take it. And the other 10 go, nope. Those people, man, they're fortified in their cities and you know we're just a bunch of ragtag people in tents. They're, they're going to they're gonna squash us. And they, they spread doubt through the whole nation. Does God cause that to happen? No. No. Okay? See, sometimes bad things happen because we do stupid things. Sometimes bad things happen because other people do stupid things. Sometimes bad things happen because there's sin in the world and people do sinful things. And God says, it doesn't matter why something happened. I can work together to make those things be good if you're working according to my plan and my purpose. Now we've got to realize that this Romans 28 doesn't just come out of nowhere. It's in a chapter filled with some great advice and a few verses earlier it says look now if we are children then we are heirs heirs of god and co-heirs with christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory 
I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What's he saying? You're going to have troubles. There are present sufferings. Remember last week, we talked about where Jesus said, you're going to have trouble in this world. Paul says, there's present sufferings. And if we share in God's glory, we've got to share in the sufferings. Okay? Everything that happens to you is not necessarily going to be good. Okay? But that doesn't mean it's God's plan for our life. Now, there may be times God needs to discipline us. But generally, that's not what's happening most of the time. See, my God doesn't push little ladies down the stairs. He doesn't make it so we make bad choices. He doesn't cause people to do bad things. God doesn't do that. What God does is take the things that happen and make them work together for good. And one of the best examples I have of this is in the Bible. You probably are familiar with the story. King David. And King David is king during Israel's glory days. Things have never been better. And King David was a warrior and he would lead the armies out to war. And one year he doesn't lead the armies out to war. He stays home to watch the bed and bath channel on the rooftop across the way. And that gets him into trouble. And he spends some time with Bathsheba. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how long, but it sounds like more than one night. And one day Bathsheba comes back and says, David, I'm pregnant. And now David has a problem. Because when the people find out, they will stone Bathsheba to death and he will lose prestige as a king. So he calls for her husband, Uriah, who is David's friend. They live across the street from each other. To come home and take a message back. And when he's home, David says, hey man, you're home. Why don't you go home and spend the night with your wife? But Uriah is a righteous man. More righteous than David. And he says, no, I will sleep at the gates because it's not fair for me to go home and enjoy the comforts of home while my men are out on the battlefield. And David still has a problem. So he sends sealed orders with David back to the battlefront that says, put your eye in the front lines, advance, and then pull back and leave him there to die. And that's what they do. Because you don't mess with the king. And now Uriah has died, David's friend, and he thinks he's gotten away with it. Except, and Nathan, the prophet, is standing there. And the prophet has this great story to tell about this poor man that owns only one little sheep that he has raised since it was a baby. And he loves that little lamb. And that lamb sleeps in his arms. And he treats this lamb like his daughter. And it's all he has. And he lives next door to a rich man who has lots of cattle and sheep and a big ranch. And one day some visitors come to see the rich man. And instead of the rich man killing one of his animals to feed them, 
He takes the little lamb from the poor man. And David is not happy. Look at what David says. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And Nathan, in the best comeback ever, You are the man. Oh no. David had made a really colossally bad decision. He thought because he was king, he could do whatever he wanted to do. And his desire, his lust, and his quest for power led him to do things that he shouldn't have done. But David made a different choice. David chose to repent and to seek God's forgiveness. Now Nathan tells David that the child that Bathsheba is carrying will die by the sword. And that the sword will never leave his house. There's a price to be paid for the things that he's done. But David repents. And he writes Psalms 51 as a repentance for this. And we're going to look at just part of it here. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. On my junior class, you remember that text, we just talked about it today. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. God, David made a huge mistake. But David repented, turned from his sin, asked for forgiveness. Okay? And can God use anything for good? Who's the next king of Israel after David? Solomon. Who's Solomon's mom? Bathsheba. Solomon, a king who stood for God. A king who built the temple. God can use anything because David humbled himself before God because he stopped making excuses for his sins. He repented and changed his life. God took the evil that was done and made all things work together for good. Not everything has a reason, but all things work together for good. Get the difference between the two? It's subtle, but it's there. Now, the thing is that if you want all things to work together for good, 
You've got to be a believer. Right? This promise is made for believers. This promise is made for those who are actively trying to follow God's will. And we make mistakes like David did. Hopefully not that big. But we make mistakes like David did. But we repent and come back. And God says, I will work with you. I will take all things. But the first thing is, you've got to give yourself to Him. I keep coming back to that at the end of these sermons because they all lead me to the same place. We have to be willing to turn it over to God. And quit saying, I got it, God. I'll take care of this. You get the hard stuff. This is an easy one. I got it. God wants to take care of the easy stuff too. We have to be willing to turn it all over to Him. If you haven't made a decision to follow God, I encourage you to do so. If you need help with that decision, be sure to let myself or Edwin know. Uh, we'll, we'll work to get you started with some studies and some lessons. I'll show you where that goes. It's an important step in our lives. But once we take that step, God will make all things work together for good. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for what You're doing in our lives, Lord. Thank You so much that we have these promises that You will take the stuff that we mess up, the stuff that we break, the stuff that we just just make a royal mess out of it, Lord. And You can patch it together. And use that somehow in your plan, Lord. That somehow that can be woven into the tapestry that tells your story. Lord, help us to try to avoid those mistakes as best we can. But it's great to know that you've got our backs, Lord. That when we are working towards your plan, in your way, when we're trying to do the good works according to what you have prepared in advance for us to do, Lord. We ask that you be with us, and you give us wisdom this week to find those things, to listen to that voice that's telling us the direction we should go, Lord. Be with us now, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downychurch.org. God bless.